and they need some really big rings. They need some really nice things. Better be coming with no strings. Better be coming with no strings. We need some really nice things. We need some really big rings. I got a really big team. I got a really big team. They need some really big rings. They need some really nice things. Better be coming with no strings. Better be coming with no strings. We need some really nice things. We need some really big rings. I got a really Hey guys, big and welcome team. to another episode of Draft Daily. Today we're going to talk about probably the most agreed upon prospect in the entire draft, Quentin Nelson, and I bring in a fantastic guest, Jeff Fair. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore F E Y E R E R. He is an inside the pylon writer. He's a Pro Football Weekly contributor. Jeff, how are we doing today? Elliot, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you, man. So, just a quick background on Quentin Nelson in terms of how we did at the combine to throw out those numbers: six foot five, three hundred twenty-five pounds, eighty-two and three-eighth inch arms, or sorry, wingspan. His arm length was those would be gigantic arms. His arms were thirty-three and uh, three-eighth <laughs> inches. Hand size ten and three-eighths. Vertical jump twenty-six and a half, making me feel good about myself there, Quentin. Um, broad jump of 105 inches, three cone of six, 7.67, uh, 20 yard shuttle, 4.62 and bench of 35 reps. I mean, he, he wasn't a phenomenal athlete, but I think he did more than fine. And Quentin Nelson is just an absolute stud in my opinion. When you watch his game, what gets you excited about his game? The thing that gets me, and I'm going to sound very old schooly here, and I don't mean to be because it's very not my style, but he's tenacious. He just looks like he loves the game. And he looks like he doesn't want to let anyone get an inch. Every every time you watch him, whether it's in in run blocking downfield, which he'll you know he'll travel downfield with the running back, uh, in pass protection, where I noticed this a number of times this year in pass pro, he'll get his hands on the defender before the defender has a chance to get hands on him. And I'm watching that immediately because the other four offensive linemen on the team are a little bit more hesitant and the defenders often getting their hands on them first. And in the run game, I mean, he just, he kicks your butt from, from, from the jump, he kicks your butt. And the technical aspects of his game really are, you never have to worry about anything technically with him. His footwork is sound. His hand placement is sound. He's got, he drives through the blocks, through the whistle. Uh, I I mean, we talked a little bit off air. I mean, the, the weaknesses with him are very, very limited, but the thing that stands out to me above all else with, with Quentin Nelson is that he is just a tenacious blocker and he takes his job very seriously. Yeah, boy does he ever. I mean, the the big debate on Twitter every year with offensive line Twitter is how much does finishing matter? And his finishing mm-hmm. ability is fantastic. He wants to block you. I feel like he wants to end your life every single time he blocks you. He, he wants to go right through you. He's He's got a nice blend of athleticism. He's very flexible. He plays with good leverage. He's got strong hands. He's got incredible technique, like you, you mentioned. He can block at all three levels. He can get down the field. He's a phenomenal pass blocker as well. And that's something we were talking about a little pre-show is that, you know, originally guards were more thought of as their importance were run blocking. Like Mike Ayupati, for example, went a couple years ago, I believe in the first round, right? Because he was just a phenomenal mm-hmm. run blocker, but a nightmare pass blocker, but teams cared more about the run blocking. With the teams passing 64% now, you know, it's really important for a guard to be able to pass block as well. And he's, he's going to be phenomenal at that day one. I mean, you plug and play him, he's going to be one of your best offensive linemen from, from day one, which is obviously fantastic. His awareness is another thing. I mean, there, there's that one gift that circles around, I believe, I want to say it's the yep. Georgia game where he covers the opposite yep. A gap or B gap and closes and destroys the guy. I mean, from a film standpoint, there's there's really not a ton to be desired that's not there. 
Now, because no prospect is perfect, if you did have concerns with his games, what would they be? He takes a playoff here and i'm kidding i'm totally kidding i don't i honestly don't know what his i mean you kind of touched it already he's he's a good athlete he's not the best when you look at his build he's built he he's not as long and as athletic as some of these linemen tend to be he's a little more compact even though he is he's six five almost 330 but he looks a little stockier than that his i i really don't know what to say because I, th- I think it's just the athleticism piece, but really when you flip the tape on and you see him blocking 15 yards downfield, I mean, is the athleticism really a concern? I think as you pointed out, that awareness part of it is so much more important now with uh, the interior stunts and pass rushes coming through that if you, if you have to make a switch the last minute or a correction from your pass protection to have that awareness kind of eliminates that any kind of limitation athleticism he may have because he's so much more aware it corrects for that for that limitation athleticism there are some things that i've read regarding his his fundamentals will get lax at times but i think that's i think that's a piece of any offensive lineman it's it's tough to find a person as in the offensive line or tough to find a player at any position that does everything perfectly all the time i think that you're still going to see some whether he's over aggressive in the in the pat in pass protection, I kind of talked about before getting his hands on the defender. He has a tendency sometimes to maybe overreach, uh, but no concerns. And and this will I'll draw on this again is I you know I've I've kind of ranked prospects for for since two thousand two, and he's the best offensive guard interior offensive line prospect that I've looked at because you don't look at the tape ever, see him taking a playoff. You don't look at the tape ever and see any glaring mistakes. It just was he was kind of a set it and forget it player. And because he's a set it for forget it player on the offensive line and he corrected so many other weaknesses that you have. And we talk about the Notre Dame offensive line and he's next to a guy in Mike McGlinchey that's getting first round talk as well. But I think the the weaknesses that they had the right side, it was it, it, it was overcorrected because he Nelson is the leader on that offensive line, was able to to correct some of that. So I for weaknesses, it's very limited, Elliot. I mean, I don't know what else to say because I, I know early on in his career he also had some injury concerns. Uh, yeah, there was a little bit, little bit of injury concern up early in his career, but that was it was nothing in these last two years. It's it's amazing that when you ask about a guy's weaknesses, you just start talking about more strengths, which basically right. gives you a, a sense of just how good of a prospect he is. Um, some of his finishing could get him in trouble with a penalty every once in a while. He, he mm-hmm. has a tendency sometimes to drop his head at contact. And these are very nitpicky things. I want to point out these right. are very nitpicky <laughs> things. But I'm just, I never yeah. want to go out with and just say a guy is absolutely perfect. There's no holes in this game. There's no room to develop. Um, sometimes he's finishing a guy to the point where he could get off that block and, and get up the field. But, again, these are, these are very rare instances. I, I think as a prospect, he's as solid as it gets. And, like you said, in my four years of doing this, he's as good of an interior offensive line prospect as I've seen. Now, something I want to talk to you about, something I got in trouble with on Twitter, was saying that, you know, people talk about Saquon Barkley's not a top 10 pick because he's a running back, but Quentin Nelson's a locked-in top 5 pick, and he's a guard. Now, the reason I'm saying that is I'm not saying that guard is a less important position than running back. I'm saying that both classes, running back and guard, are thought of as two of the deeper classes in the draft. And like running back, guards historically can be found later in the draft with success. If we look around the top, around the league and some of the top guys or fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks in the NFL draft, how do you play 
how do you value the guard position and where would you take Quentin Nelson? The value of the guard position, and I, I think it's it's changing, and this is something I just wrote about in Pro Football Weekly, was it, it's changing a lot due to the the makeup of the game and, and the interior pass rush that we're seeing now from guys that as the as the game of football has kind of spread vertically and teams have gone downfield, spread the field out more, t- taken more um, outside from the tackle, outside the tackle, inside the tackle box. Um, there's more passers going on because over time, as that field is spread out, defensive coordinators have had to compensate by becoming more diverse in what they do in the pass rush because it's no longer that the left tackle is the primary protector for these guys. Pass rush is coming from anywhere, anywhere and everywhere because sub packages are on the field. These defensive tackles that they're wanting that they're employing now are more athletic than they ever were because they're not just run pluggers anymore. So what's required of interior offensive linemen now? Uh, are there for them to be more athletic, more aware, I mean, just like we're talking about with Quentin Nelson, and for them to be uh, you know, ready for anything. I, I feel like as this game has become more pass-reliant, more along the offensive line has been standardized. I think left tackle isn't as important as it once was. And I think we're seeing some of that right now. And maybe this this year's class is not a good example because I'm not as high on this. I don't know how you feel about this offensive tackle class, but I'm not as high on this, this offensive tackle class as some others in the past. But you know, saying a left tackle is primary position on offensive line anymore just may not be the case. So when you talk about running back, I, I think it's the same way. And then the overcorrection, it, it, yeah, it's not the same way as we're having the number one bell cow running backs in there anymore. But I think it's in it, 32 teams. And this is something I, I talk about all the time is that 32 teams have 32 different personalities. So just because we're saying something on the outside and how they value position isn't necessarily how they do as well. Uh, when you talk about Nelson, as far as where, what team he could go to, I, I don't see any way he drops past Chicago. I would see him as a fit. I think Indianapolis would be a fit, but I just think they have so many needs on the defensive side of the ball that uh, I don't know if that would be the, the best one. Denver's obviously a fit as well. Uh, if I had to pick a destination of where I think he's headed right now, I would have a hard time seeing him. I, I think if he got to the Bears, he's going there. But other than that, I think Denver and uh, Indianapolis would be his best destinations. But I think Indianapolis is going chub if he's on the board. So it's going to take some other pieces to fall into place. Schematically, he's going to fit in anywhere you put him. I don't have any concern about him fitting in in any certain system, any team that he may go to. I think he's going to fit in anywhere. I would be shocked if he's on the board after eight. Yeah, eight is where I'd like to see him go. I mean, obviously, that's Mm -hmm. where he would make the least amount of money. So I'm sure he would prefer to go someplace a little bit higher than that. But if you combine him with – White hair and long, uh, you're you're getting mm-hmm. uh, just a, a fantastic young interior dominant offensive line that I, I think could just be fantastic. And you know they're really trying to build everything around Trubisky, and I think that could really help. So eight is where I'd like to see him go. Now, when I was talking about the depth of the guard class, we're talking about Isaiah Wynn, we're talking about Connor Williams, we're talking uh, about Will Hernandez. Uh, you can move James Daniels from center to James guard. Man. Like there's a lot of guys in this class that are legitimate first round talents at the guard position so I'm I'm just saying that he's not alone in being a fantastic guard and you know it's one of those situations where people talk about this with Barkley like if if you would you rather have Barkley at seven or you know Geis at 22 would you rather Mm -hmm. have Quentin Nelson at six or would you rather be able to trade back and I don't know take Will Hernandez or or say Isaiah Wynn at 18 and then you get all that other stuff so I just I think that that's the only reason that I might see Nelson falling at all is just that the class itself is phenomenal. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. And I my predisposition is to trade back. Regardless, I mean, if there's equal or even comparable players, if, if Quentin Nelson is an A plus and you have Will Hernandez as an A minus and you can trade back and get a, a second or a third. I mean, I, I like more bites at an apple all the time. You obviously you want to take a generational prospect when you can. But if there are other are other comparables, I think you have to at least give it a give it a look. Yeah. So I, I think that's very fair, and it, it kind of paints a picture on the, the guard class in general. Sure. You know, we, we kind of answered where his ideal landing spot would be and the fact that it doesn't matter, but uh, he, he's probably going top eight. When you watch his game, is there anyone he reminds you of? You know, it, it's tough because it's you, you can't really find many comparables with what – and I, I don't like doing them. And we I think we talked about this off air too. It's like we hate, we hate doing the comparable thing. Uh yeah, I mean, you talk about Ayupati a little bit, and that's someone as far as the build and the tenacity that I see with him. But he's he's just so more so much more refined. Uh, you, he's not as athletic as Zach Martin was coming out, and I hate to do the comp- comparison to the guy just because he went to Notre Dame, but he's not as athletic as Zach Martin was coming out. There, Quentin Nelson did play a little tackle coming coming up, which is kind of where you can see that you've you've seen even people say, okay, is Quentin Nelson could he could be thrown to tackle? And maybe you can draft him higher and get more value out of that pick. But I mean, you don't move guys that are that are really, really good at a particular position, in my opinion. Uh, I've seen. I, I don't like comparing him to like Jonathan Cooper or Chance Warmack because there's other guys that have gone really high. But you know, stylistically, I think of a guy like I remember Ryan Khalil coming out of USC. Even though he's played center, a lot of the stuff that Ryan Khalil can do uh, and his style of play reminds me of Nelson. And his and his tenacity, his balance in both the pass and the run game. Uh, I think that, and I think Nelson could play any position in the offensive line. So if the team wanted to move him to center again, I wouldn't move a guy where he's from where he's really, really good. But I think Ryan Khalil would be the guy that I think about when I'm talking about Quentin Nelson, as far as style of play. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And listen, I've talked a lot about on this podcast that when you're doing player comps, we're kind of comparing an individual trade or a play style, not a career trajectory or anything like that. But uh, if I had to compare it to someone, uh, Kamichi Osemele from the Oakland Raiders, the formerly of the Baltimore Ravens, just in terms of his pure nastiness and how he loves to, to destroy people, I see a lot of that mm-hmm. in Quentin Nelson. So that, that, that's mine. I, I think you, know, you, you basically want to find a guy that's a superstar player at the guard position and does something, and he's probably going to have something similar to what Quentin Nelson has. Sure, I, I think, and I think with the guard play now, I, th- I think it's just so hard finding comparables because they're they're also strikingly similar in in both build and makeup, and it's it's very very hard. Uh, David DeCastro is another guy I've thought about when when looking at Quentin Nelson. He's another guy I thought highly of coming out of Stanford, and I think they play very similar games. So I, I think it's a lot easier to make comparables to guys because because wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks tend to separate themselves more and how they play and how they perform but i think guards because you're talking about so much within a small piece of real estate that they operate in that it's really tough to draw really good comparisons but i think that's a good one awesome jeff well i really appreciate you joining us i mean this this has been a fun podcast where you basically get to just tell tell you how great a player is opposed to spend more time (laughs) on his weaknesses 
But I, I know you're doing a ton of stuff over there at Inside the Pylon at Pro Football Weekly. Uh, why don't you tell the people kind of what you're working on, where they can find it? So, yeah, right now we're, we're pushing for Inside the Pylon, the Inside the Pylon draft guide, which is it. Uh, subscribe or you can get one at www.itpdraftguide.com. Inside the Pylon is going to have a ton of work coming out after the draft guide now up until the draft. Uh, Nick Filato and I are hosting. We're kind of merged the Breaking the Plane and the Pylon U podcasts up until the draft because uh, we're basically talking about the same thing. So we're merging those up until the draft. Has some great guests coming on in the next three or four weeks. And then uh, should have another piece coming out on Pro Football Weekly about running backs and kind of what we, I touched on earlier. We were talking about Saquon Barkley. So looking forward to that. And that, that'll be on Pro Football Weekly here in the next week. Awesome, awesome, guys. Make sure you check all that stuff out. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore F-E-Y-E-R-E-R. That's a that's a tough one to spell, but you guys, I, I have faith in you. You're going to go find him and follow his stuff. <laughs> Jeff, again, just thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to the Draft Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Elliot Chris. You can follow me on Twitter at Elliot Chris. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. As always, guys, we really appreciate listening. Thank you. Spit the